Welcome to J.C. Overcomers Ministries, Unveiling the Mysteries of the Bible. This program is brought to you live by the J.C. Overcomers Ministries out of Nebraska City, Nebraska, and I'm your hostess, Cheryl Fisher. During these programs, I want to share with you some of the treasures I've found during my treasure hunt into the Word of God and some of the miracles I've seen along the way. Tonight, I'm continuing that study on the word believe, and we will be in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, I think. Let me check real quick. Yep, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 is where we will start. But before I get into that, just like always, I want to open this up with prayer and ask the Lord to cleanse me from all my sins so his spirit is free to flow through me. If we have any sins at all, they can get in the way of the free movement of the Spirit of God and Him being able to use us. So I want that flow going through me the way He desires. And so I like to lift up the scriptures for the washing away of my sins because according to the Word of God, we are washed with the water by the Word of God. Along with that, the Word of God is our intercessor, our mediator, and we cannot get to the Father without going through the Word of God, which also is the door to enter into the kingdom of God. So we have to go through the Word for everything. And, and in everything we do, we're supposed to do all in the name of Jesus Christ. And His name is called the Word of God. Praise God. All right, so I'm going to start out tonight. Uh, Lifting up Psalms 141, verses 1 through 3, Psalms 19, verses 12 to 14, and Psalm 66, verse 20. Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. 
Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Praise God. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for another opportunity to come on here and, and uh, dig into the scriptures. I'm live on Spreaker and also on Blog Talk Radio. So I ask, Lord Jesus, for you to uh, send your spirit out and draw in anyone that you would want to be here tonight hearing this uh, while it's live or in the archives later on when it goes on the various different, uh, oh, I don't even know what to call it, the different places where the audios can end up end up like YouTube and, and places like that. Lord Jesus, I just ask you to draw people in uh, to hear your word, that your spirit will draw them whether it's live or in the archives later on. And I thank you for it in Jesus' holy name. Guide my words and my thoughts so that everything said and done here will glorify your name in some way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. All right, let's start out in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. I did... Uh, the last in the last program I did a few days ago was in First Timothy chapter three, and I believe it was verse sixteen, and that's that's all I got done was verse sixteen because the Lord just took it from there and and went to various different scriptures, and that's the way I always want is to let the Lord have His way in these studies because that's when the scriptures open up, and I'm telling you. If you didn't get a chance to hear the last study done, God opened up some awesome stuff in that, in the scriptures. And his understanding really became evident through that study. So here we go again. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Notice the words here. The Spirit speaketh. God's Spirit speaks to us. It says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly. That in the latter times. So the Spirit's telling what's coming in the latter times. And it says that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. If they're leaving the faith, where are they going? Because our faith is supposed to be in the truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We are supposed to believe that. So if they're departing from that faith, then they're believing in another instead of him and it says here that in the latter times some some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils so we've got in this verse, we've got the word spirit where it says, now the spirit ex speaketh expressly. But in this verse, that spirit has a capital S. 
within the same verse, it talks about seducing spirits. Spirits that will seduce us. In the Garden of Eden, the serpent seduced Eve into believing what he said instead of what God said. So nothing's changed. The battle is still the same. We either believe what God says to us or we're believing another spirit that is trying to seduce us away from our master. Just like a harlot will try to seduce someone away from, from their spouse. It's a seduction. It's called lust of the, of the flesh in the scriptures. Let me read this again. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Okay, I want to deal first off. I think the Lord wants me to go to where, uh, when it's talking about now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Did you know that when blood is shed on the earth, that the blood itself speaks? Jesus told us in the scriptures, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So there again, God's words are spirit and they are life. Well, God's blood was shed on the earth through his son, Jesus Christ. And his blood cries out from the ground. I'm going to show you where uh, this will be in the book of Hebrews. Let me pull it up. It'll take me a moment to find it. This is Hebrews chapter 12, because I have to look it up in my program. If, uh, if you're familiar with the scriptures, uh, when Cain killed Abel, Abel's blood cried out from the ground. In fact, before I go to Hebrews, let's go to that one, because that'll give a little bit more background into this to keep this in context to give you that full picture take me a moment here this is genesis chapter 4 And we'll start 
inverse, let's see. Let's just start in verse one. This is Genesis chapter four, verse one. It says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And, and she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the first fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. See, even from the beginning, offerings were made to the Lord, unto the Lord, according to this. Verse 4 says, And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire. Notice sin is called a hit, is referred to here as a his, his desire. It says, if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire. And thou shalt rule over him. We're supposed to rule over our sin. See, because the devil is the one that seduces us into the sin, just like this first scripture we started out in. He's the seducer of the brethren. And sin lies at the door waiting to pounce on us. Well, Jesus stands at the door and knocks also. There's two that's knocking on our doors of our hearts. Wanting us to invite them in. We don't want to give heed to those seducing spirits or the doctrines of devils. We want to give heed to Jesus Christ and his word only. So Cain, he starts out being wroth because he wasn't being accepted. His offering wasn't accepted. The scriptures talk about be ye angry well, let me let me find it because I don't want to say it wrong. Oh, don't want to use that one. Hold on. Hopefully I can find it here. Yeah, this is in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, and we'll start in verse 25. It says, Wherefore, putting away lying, 
You know, that's like resisting the devil and he shall flee. Well, he's the liar. It says, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So there again, it's talking about wrath. And so Cain was wrathful. Okay, back to uh, Genesis 4 and verse 6. It says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So God's warning him not to give in to sin. Because it, that wrath that we can get into, sin can take over. And the devil loves it when he can get us to give in to it. Verse 8, and Cain gave, gave in to it. He was warned by God, but he still gave in to that wrath. Verse 8 says, and Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. His own brother. Verse 9 says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? See, God knew. There's nothing hid from God. He knows everything. He knows our every thought. You know, so we might as well confess to God our sins because he already knows them. But it gives him glory when we, we are willing to humble ourselves enough to confess those sins to him. He knew what was in Cain's heart. And I think that's why he warned him. It says in verse 8, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? So he not only sinned, but then he lied. Satan's the father of lies. He's a, he was a murderer from the beginning. So here's Cain got seduced by that spirit of devils. And he gave in to him. And then he lied about it to cover it up. That's what sin does to us. And then we want to cover it up afterwards. Verse 10 says, and he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. So here's the blood speaking. Just like I told you, Jesus' blood speaks from the ground. Stop and think about all of these babies that have been killed in the womb. All the people that have been murdered in the earth. All of those voices crying out. God can hear every single one of them. 
all of the blood that has been shed on this earth, God can hear those voices. There's even a scripture that talks about uh, the earth shall disclose. Let me see if I can find it. I think it's disclose. Because if I don't have the right word, it's not going to come up. Yep, there it is. This is in Isaiah chapter 26. This is how perfect God's word is. Just like Abel's blood, his voice spoke from the ground. Isaiah 26 verse 19 says, Thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust. Oh, I'm reading the wrong one. <laughs> Let's go to verse 20. Uh, Isaiah 26, verse 20. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. Think how angry God is with all the blood that's been shed. It says, come my people, enter into thy chambers. That's entering into the Lord. That's hiding in him where we're safe until the indignation be overpassed, until his wrath is poured out, just like the Israelites in Egypt. They hid in their homes with the, and they applied the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and the lentils or side posts and lentils, whatever it was called. I think in one place it calls the upper door post. But they hid inside their homes and didn't go out as God's wrath was being poured out on the firstborn of the Egyptians. Here God tells the people, come my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. He's coming to punish. This is why repentance is so important. The wrath of God only comes upon the children of disobedience it doesn't come upon the children of obedience but it does come upon the children of disobedience if we're being obedient we're walking in God's spirit when we're inside of Christ and so the God's wrath is not going to come on on us when we're in Christ we're being hid in him it says for behold the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth shall disclose her blood. It's going to be opened up. The earth shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. I can't even imagine the shame that's going to come forth on that day. 
of all of these innocent murders, the innocents that have been murdered. So God already knows about it. But here I think it's going to be disclosed to all. And that shame won't be able to be hid anymore. This is why we need to repent. That's why we have such a merciful God. So it says, The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. Just like in the book of Genesis when Cain killed Abel. He couldn't hide that from God. God saw it all and pointed it out to him that he knew. His voice, Abel's voice, the voice of his blood, because the life is in the blood. So here's the voice. It's a spiritual voice crying out from that blood. This is why when we get into the word of God, we can hear God speak to us. Because his voice speaks from his blood that was shed here for us. Praise God. Back to uh, Genesis 4, verse 9, it says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Notice who the voice is crying out to, to God. It says, and now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. What a shame. Okay, now let's go to the book of Hebrews because I want to show you that Jesus' blood also speaks from the ground. When he died on the cross and his side was pierced, the blood and the water poured out from him and went down into the ground below the cross. Hebrews 12, verse 24 says, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See ye, oh, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. He's speaking to us. And the blood shed made that possible for him to speak from the ground. It says, see that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not, who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven whose voice then shook the earth, but now 
He hath promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. When Jesus' blood was shed on the earth, there was an earthquake. That's when the graves opened up. There was a great earthquake. So yeah, his voice shook the earth. This is why God's word, the Bible that we have today, can speak to us. Because Christ is here. His blood is here on the earth. And like Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That's in John chapter 6. So when 1 Timothy 4, 1 says, now the spirit speaketh expressly and, and see the spirit can speak from heaven or earth or both. It's still God's voice. It says, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Notice it's doctrines of devils. Well, God's doctrine is his word. Let me uh, pull up some scriptures to show that. This will be in Deuteronomy chapter 32, I think. Yeah, doctor, uh, sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 1 says, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Well, we're made from the dust of the ground. God made man from the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And through that, man became a living soul. Through God breathing on us. Well, when he's speaking to us, the breath of life carries his words to our heart. And so when he's saying, hear, O earth, you know, he's speaking to us because we're made from the earth. It says, give ear, O ye heavens. He wants all to hear his voice from heaven to earth says, give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. He's telling ahead of time what he's about to do. It says, my doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew. So he's comparing his doctrine to his speech, which is his words. So his doctrine is his words. So it's a, if it's a doctrine of devils speaking lies in hypocrisy, it's other words, just like in the Garden of Eden. The devil spoke, the serpent, which is the devil and Satan, according to the scriptures. The serpent spoke words to Eve and she believed him and she ate those words. She put her faith in what the serpent was speaking to her instead of putting her faith in what God was speaking to her.
That's the seduction is, is convincing us to have faith in the serpent's words instead of God's words. And it is very seductive the way he does it because the devil appears to the lusts of our flesh, the desires of our flesh, where God appears to our spiritual being. Just like I was talking about last time in the last study, we're warring. Our flesh is warring against the spirit. That's the whole battle here. It says in verse 2, My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass, because I will publish the name of the Lord. Well, the name of the Lord uh, in Revelation 19, his name is called the Word of God. The one on the white horse that comes back to do battle. His name is called the Word of God. And he says, I will publish the name of the Lord. And Jesus came in his Father's name. It says, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. Praise God. Let me read a little bit more here. It says in verse 4, he is the rock. His work is perfect. If it's God's word, it's going to be perfect. There's not going to be any errors in it. But the devil wants us to believe, believe it or not, what's been taught in the seminaries is that the only true word is the original manuscripts. So the same God, according to them, that was capable of inspiring men to write his words, evidently in their eyesight is not capable of preserving a perfect word for his people throughout history god's word has been copied over and over and over again you know what moses wrote down those original manuscripts them would have been gone a long, long, long time ago. So when uh, Jesus and the apostles was quoting from those manuscripts, those manuscripts, those original manuscripts never even existed anymore when they were quoting from them. They were quoting from copies. So when, when these people in the seminaries are teaching pastors that you can't depend on anything but the original manuscripts, the apostles and Jesus himself was depending on copies. Just as God inspired the original manuscripts, God also inspired those that wrote the copies. God's spirit was still involved. God's spirit is involved in the translation. If it's his true word, his spirit is involved. If it's the word of man, man's spirit is doing it. But according to God, 
in, uh, oh, let me pull it up. <laughs> Take me a moment here. This is going to be in First Timothy chat, Second Timothy, three. Got to get there in this little program. Second Timothy chapter three. And verse 14. Now, wait a minute. Verse, verse 13. 2 Timothy 3, verse 13 says, But evil men and seducers, here again, there's the seduction. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving. <clears throat> and being deceived. If we're willing to deceive somebody else, the spirit of, of the serpent is already working in our lives. When we're deceived, just like Eve in the garden, when she was deceived, what'd she do? She shared it with her husband, and he ate also. This is, you know, when we have faith in a lie, we share it with others. When we have the faith in the truth, we share it with others. It's an automatic thing. We should be anyway. That's the problem is whatever spirit we're carrying, we're spreading it out just like this COVID virus. It's multiplying. Because it's going from one person to another, to another, to another. It multiplies. Well, God wants his word to multiply like that. He wants us sharing the truth. But if we haven't been willing to prove all things, according to the scriptures, it says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. If we haven't been willing to do that, what we may be sharing is a lie. And it says here, Verse 12, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. More and more of them. It says, and, and they get worse. You know, they start out with a little, what, what people might call a white lie. A lie is still a lie. And it's not white, it's dark. If it's a lie. It's from darkness. It's from the spirit of darkness. It says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We've got to know whether, whether it's the spirit of God speaking to us or the spirit of devils. It says, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise. Notice, holy scriptures. Scriptures is something that's written down. Script. A scribe would write the words down. That's why it's called scriptures. It's something written down. And notice he uses the words here, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. 
because if it's the true word of God, it is holy. Just like you've got the Holy Ghost and then you've got the unclean spirits. You know, if something's holy, it's clean. If it's unholy, <clears throat> it's unclean or called defiled in, in the scripture talk <clears throat> within the Bible. Let me grab a drink real quick. <clears throat> Sorry about that. My throat's getting dry from talking. Okay, verse 14 says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Notice the words assured of. God tells us, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. When we have proven something to be true or not true, we are assured of whether it's of God or not. We're sure of it. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if we've proven it, we know whether it's true or not. And that's what God expects of us. And here it says, which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. It takes the knowledge of the scriptures to be saved. We have to know who we're believing in in order to have salvation, because salvation is by faith. But if our faith is in a lie, we're not saved from that lie, are we? Because that's what salvation is about, is saving us from the lies of the devil. Saving us from those sins. It says in verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. That's where our faith is supposed to lie, believing God's word, because Christ Jesus is God's word that he sent here. We have to believe what God said. When we believe what God said, we're believing in Christ Jesus. Because he is the word made flesh. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So if it is true scripture. What God calls scripture. God inspired it. The words that are written down. If God calls it scripture. Remember scripture is something that's written down. If God calls it scripture, it is inspired by him, whether it's a translation, whether it's a copy, it doesn't matter. That's how God has worked from the beginning through men. They all copied the word that was handed down to them so it would not be lost. Praise God. <clears throat> all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So here he's calling scripture something that's written down. He's calling it doctrine. It is profitable for doctrine. 
and it was inspired by God. You know, in Deuteronomy, we talked about how the how his doctrine dropped as the rain and distilled as the dew. <clears throat> his words, <clears throat> excuse me, that he was speaking. So here he's telling us all scripture is given by inspiration of God. What men wrote down, God inspired it. If it's true scripture. Now, now there's remember, just like the the devil in the Garden of Eden, the serpent, give words to Eve, well, the serpent is inspiring men also to write stuff down that's not of God. That is not what God would call scripture. There are uh, stuff, there's stuff out there that is called tantric scriptures. That's not of God. That's something that uh, people that do yoga and stuff believe in. Uh, some of these people that do yoga believe in what's called tantric scriptures. That would be something that was inspired of man, not of God. <clears throat> Just because something calls itself scripture doesn't mean it's true scripture. Praise God. Because his is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So if it's not true scripture... There's no way we'll ever be made perfect. There's no way to reprove or correct or instruct us in righteousness. And God calls the gospel the gospel of our salvation. So if there's no true gospel out there anymore, we have no way to be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So if the truth is not available anymore, if it was only in the original manuscripts, we have no way to get back to God. Because these guys that are teaching in the seminaries will literally tell these future pastors that, that all Bibles have error in them. And then these pastors go to the congregations and they tell the congregations all Bibles have error. Well, did you know that the spirit of error is the spirit of Antichrist? So if you're using a Bible that's got error, then, then you're using something that is an idol and it's an Antichrist, has an Antichrist spirit in it. But God tells us in the scriptures, they that err in spirit shall learn doctrine. Let me find that verse. This is in Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 24. It says, but when he seeth his, oh, wait a minute. I, 
I was in the wrong verse. Verse 24, they also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding. And they that murmured shall learn doctrine. So his doctrine still has to be away. And he pre pre preserves his word for a thousand generations. His word will stand forever. So yeah, it has to still be available. So, you know, when when the uh, the Bible was saying in Second uh, Timothy, no, wait a minute, First Timothy, the verses we started out with today. Uh, where it was talking about deceiving and being deceived. I'm looking for it. Maybe that wasn't in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 4, 1 said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. In those seminaries, those people that are teaching there have already given themselves over to doctrines of devils because they themselves are believing the lies of the devil that only the original manuscripts have the truth. Let me find this other verse where it talked about deceiving and being deceived. I know I had it up. Ah, that was in 2 Timothy 3.13. 2 Timothy, not 1 Timothy. <laughs> uh, verse 12 of 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So these people that are supposed to be scholars are teaching the future pastors they have been deceived into believing that only their original manuscripts were good. But yet, the apostles and Jesus didn't even quote from the original manuscripts. They couldn't have it. They were gone. This was copies all handed down. The originals didn't exist. Because what they wrote on, on papyrus and, and other stuff would have deteriorated by then. So it's all copies. And if you look up Jewish history, you'll find that, that that's what they did. And there was many copies, you know, they would take Isaiah's words, for example, and, and in order to send them into all the different lands where the children of Israel were, they would make copies for them. Praise God. But you'd have to look it up and do, do your own research because remember, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Okay, let's get back to this uh, 
spirit of error. I want to show you how that is also called in the scriptures, the spirit of Antichrist. Because remember, they're saying all Bibles have error in them. So that right there, to me, they're telling me the God I believe in is not capable of keeping his word. And my God is capable of keeping his word. After all, he created all of us. He created us with a DNA structure that is beyond the wildest imagination of man. You know, they're trying to understand it, but they, they will never be able to. They're playing with it, but they're causing a lot of damage doing it. First John chapter four. And verse one says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. There again, see, there's the deceivers. Says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. See, the word of God is alive today. Just like I said, his blood is speaking from the ground. His voice is speaking from the heavens. It's present tense. He is come in our flesh. He's, he comes in to us his word gets planted in our heart and starts consuming us from the inside out changing our mortal bodies into his immortal being a little bit at a time as he washes away our sins one at a time as he brings conviction on us so it's a present tense did you know that all the new bible versions in this verse None of them claim Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. They, they will claim that he came past tense in a body or something similar to that. But they will not confess Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. The only one that confesses it is the King James. The words have to be is come in the flesh i take that i take that back the uh uh there's one other uh and all it was was because he copied it and that was joseph smith went and uh he took the king james bible and he changed what he wanted to out of it so so the original writing that was that was in there that he didn't change still says jesus christ is come in the flesh that's the only other one So if a Bible, remember the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So if those words are confessing not Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, according to this, verse 3 says, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof 
Ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. If it's not confessing Jesus Christ is come, present tense, because he is alive, he still is. And if it don't confess it, it's a spirit of Antichrist. But as we read further on in here, we'll see that that spirit of Antichrist is also called the spirit of error. If we're, think about it, if we're erring from the truth, we're not in the spirit of God, but we're in the spirit of error. And that's the devil's territory. If we're erring from the truth, and if they say all Bibles have error in them, then there's no way to be saved anymore if we believe that. Because the only way back to God is through the truth. Through the word. Again, verse 3 says, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now, Already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you, notice present tense, than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. That's the words that come out of their mouth. It's the world's words. Through the spirit of the serpent instead of the spirit of God. It says, and the world heareth them. Ye are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Watch this. Hereby know ye the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He was talking about spirit of Antichrist. So the spirit of Antichrist is the spirit of error. But remember the verse that I brought up earlier about they that erred in spirit shall learn doctrine. Praise God. So they'll, they'll come away from it when the truth comes and they're willing to hear. Praise God. So these ones that are, are deceiving and being, uh, whoops. Okay, there, I fixed it. I'm trying to uh, fix this program here because I kind of messed it up. They're deceiving and being deceived. They're the ones that are in the spirit of error. And, but the problem is they're teaching the pastors this. And so the pastors pass it on to the congregations. Instead of the pastors proving what they're being taught. And, and think about it. They're paying these people to teach them these lies. See, these colleges, where, where are we supposed to get our instruction? Are we supposed to get it from, from men or from God? We're so far off from where we're supposed to be. And that's why God says, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared 
with a hot iron. They're really believing. Where's common sense in these guys that are calling themselves scholars to actually tell people no Bible has truth anymore, that they've all got, or rather that they've all got error. They evidently have no faith in God at all. Let me find a scripture. going to take me a little bit because I'm not sure if I got the exact words Psalms 105 Uh, verse 6 says, O ye seed of Abraham, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen, he is the Lord, our God. He is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Another one. Got to find it. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. That's Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. The Lord's given, given me these these verses, so I'm going to look them up. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, I think I put it in wrong. Yeah, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. That was Isaiah 40, verse 8. He's giving me another one. Take me a moment to find it. Psalms 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. Hear that? His word remains pure. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them 
from this generation forever. Okay, he's giving me some more. Revelation chapter 19. And remember when, when uh, the Lord was fighting against the devil in the wilderness, Jesus said to him, when he was rebuking the devil, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That's Luke 4.4. 4. That's in the verse of Luke 4.4. 4. Our life is in every word of God. So we have to have the words in order to have life. Okay, Revelation 19 and verse 17. No, wait a minute. I'm in the wrong one. It's not Revelation 19. I think it's in Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. Notice, words of the prophecy of this book. It's what's written down. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Notice the words written in this book. He's talking about his written word. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. So yeah, he has preserved his written word. And if, and if any man dares to go against that word and adds to his words, the plagues get added to him automatically. But look at the next verse, verse 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, and what are those, those uh, so-called scholars doing but taking away from the words of the book of the prophecy? Because they're saying all Bibles have error. And I'm telling you, I have heard so many pastors tell me that. They are destroying the faith. They're trying to destroy the faith of all of those people in the congregation by telling them that they, they have no sure word anymore. That it really doesn't matter what Bible you use. You want to use a telephone book? I guess it's okay, because they all got air. That's the spirit of the devil in them doing that. They're seducers. They've been seduced, and then they're seducing. How dare a so-called man of God stand in front of that pulpit and do everything they can to convince you the word of God cannot be believed. 
when they're supposed to be doing the exact opposite. It says, if any man, and if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are, which are, forgive me, Lord, I said it wrong, for, from the things which are written in this book. It's written. And all these new Bibles, every single one of them will change the words. And even if you want to say, well, that's just the book of Revelation. Every one of them have changed words in the book of Revelation. Every single one of them. But I'm telling you, God's word is pure and it's holy. If it's truly his word. And the patterns that are within his, wor his word, within the book, are so far beyond any imagination of man, just like our DNA structure is so far beyond man. God's words is just like his DNA structure. It's perfect. He is holy. And what he creates concerning his word. The word of God created everything. And he is perfectly capable of preserving it for those that truly seek him with all their hearts so that they can find him. Back to uh, 1 Timothy 4.2, speaking lies in hypocrisy. They're hypocrites. They're standing there trying to teach you about God, but telling you you can't believe him. And they call themselves scholars of the word. You talk about hypocrisy. It says, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. You know, you've got spiritual meat and you've got physical meat. The word of God is the spiritual meat of God. Verse 4 says, For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. That's how powerful the true word of God is. By it being spoken over your food, it can sanctify that and cleanse it. Because remember, we ourselves are washed with the water by the word. Verse 6 says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up. In the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. God's word nourishes us. It feeds our souls and sustains our souls. Verse 7 says, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. 
For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. We have to trust in his word too. It says, for we trust, because we trust, forgive me, Lord, I read that wrong. Because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Notice example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. It's supposed to be examples. It says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. There again is the doctrine. Give attendance to reading. Okay, how are you going to read it if it ain't written down? Think about it. it. says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. So what they do, take one scroll and pass it around to everybody? Think about it. How many Bibles do we have today? How many copies of just the King James Bible is there? That's the way it's always been done, is the copies. But yet they will have the nerve to say if they're not the original manuscripts, they're, they're in error. That man can't be trusted to copy the word of God. Well, if God's overseeing it, then yeah, it can be trusted. Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be holy and without blemish. Oh, no, I think I just read that wrong. I got to look it up. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works, I think it's supposed to be. I got it mixed up with another verse. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Yeah, I think I said it wrong. Forgive me, Lord, I ask. Okay, back to 1 Timothy 4.13. It says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. <laughs> However you say that. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear, un appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. 
the doctrine's got to be there in order for them to continue into it, in it. Praise God. Okay, I think that's good for tonight. We've covered that whole chapter. So, anyways, I'm going to finish this up, like always, with uh, Numbers chapter 6 and verse 23. Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise shall ye bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. The Lord's uh, reminded me to... Uh, to try to show you something he showed me in the spirit concerning his word. When Jesus was killed on the cross, when he was crucified, God showed me a picture of what man not only did to him in the physical, but is doing now in the spiritual. When the crown of thorns went upon his head and a thorn poked into his skull, what the Lord was showing me, a drop of blood came out. When we add to the word of God, see the word of God is the body of Jesus Christ. What they did to him on the cross is what man is doing to him spiritually today. What Jesus paid for on the cross Oh, Lord, help me to you lay this on my heart to do this, so I ask you to help me to explain it to them. When we add to the word of God in order to add to the word of God, something has to be taken out. When the crown of thorns was put on Jesus' head and the thorn went in, blood came out. The life is in the blood. So what God was showing me, every time man adds to his word, he's also taken away from it. Taking away part of the truth of it when Jesus's feet were pierced parts of his flesh as those nails went into his body pieces of his flesh were displaced with those nails pieces of his flesh was ripped from him when they beat him with those whips Strips of his flesh was taken away. When men wrote these new Bibles, they took away pieces of the scriptures. Whole verses were taken away in some of these Bibles. Every one of those verses represents a piece of Jesus' flesh, spiritually speaking. And when Jesus went to that cross, 
he not only paid for the sins of that time, but he knew ahead of time, he knew the end from the beginning. And so his body had to suffer what was going to be done, spiritually speaking, as well. So his body had to represent what they were going to do ahead of time to his word. For every time that man denies God's word, Jesus suffered a piece of his flesh being ripped from him. Think about that. His body was marred more than any man. And God was showing me this. When, when man put in those nails, when they rewrote these Bibles and added their own words, those nails is a symbol of their own words that replaced part of his body. When the spear went in his heart, by man, it was something made of man that replaced the blood and the water that came out. Man put something into his body and the life flow left his body because of what man replaced his life flow with. That's what they've done to the word of the living God. They put their own words in the place of his, of God's words. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So everything they did to his flesh then is a representation of what they were going to do to the word of God later. What they've done now. That's why if we deny the word of God, he will deny us. If we deny one word, we're denying him because he is the word. Not only that, not only did the nails rip pieces of his flesh away, something made of man replaced his flesh when those nails went through him. <clears throat> those whips stripped pieces of his flesh away from him. Just like man has taken parts of the word of God out. But God's word also talks about adding to his words. Did you know that when they beat him, bruises appeared? And the Bible talks about great swelling words of vanity. Man's words, God calls great swelling words of vanity. As they were beating him, what was left of his flesh was swelling up. When you get a bruise, your, your body swells. And God even calls them great swelling words of vanity. Let me look it up. I can show you where it's at. And vanity is something that, that was created in the mind, vain imagination of man. This is in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness. 
those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same of the same is he brought in bondage. So whether they're adding to the word or taking away, Jesus paid for it on the cross ahead of time. He knew they were going to do it. That's why he had to be marred more than any man. Because he knew what they were going to do to his word. The scriptures talk about perverting the words of the living God. That's what man has done. They thought they could make him better, easier to understand. When they didn't understand the word or they would have never dared go against it. That's how perfect his word is. And God gave me that picture one day. But you know what? There was something else in that, in that picture that he was giving me about him being on the cross. The blood flowed from his body. The blood and the water flowed down into the dust of the ground. And remember, we're made from the dust of the ground. And so there's a future here that is talked about as well, not just what they've done to his word or tried to do to his word because he's, he's still got his perfect word here. But there's a future picture here. The dust soaked up the blood and the water. And when we that are made from the dust of the earth let his word consume us, we are soaking up the blood and the water that he shed on this earth. And he wants us to let that blood speak through us. We're washed with the water by the word and we're washed by his blood, with his blood. And he wants to speak through each one of us as we soak up that blood. God bless you all. Thank you so much for being here. Anyone that's heard this live and, and anyone that hears this later in the archives, may God bless and keep each and every one of us in his saving grace. Don't ever take away or add to the word of God. It's perfect just like it is. Jesus' name. Bye-bye. If I can find my music. <laughs> there we go.
was all gone when my heart had no song. Still in love, he proved faithful to me. Every word he's promised is true. And what I I've seen my God do He's been faithful Faithful to me Looking back His love and mercy Was faithful to.